Hi, this is Jimmy. Is God more pleased with missionaries and pastors than he is with stay-at-home moms and custodians? What does it even mean to be faithful and mature in our everyday Christian life? Today on the podcast, John and I discuss maturity and vocation and the everydayness that we all experience in our Christian life. We kind of go after this over-spiritualization and radical movement and how it's affected our thinking of our jobs and our vocations. In the members portion of the podcast, we discuss a hot topic, political spheres, and, and what does it mean for Christians to be involved in policy change and, and politics in general. We hope this conversation is helpful for you. It certainly was for us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you there. A simple way for you to help support Theocast and join the Reformation is by shopping at Amazon. That's right. Everything that you purchase there, they will take a percentage of it and donate it to our ministry. All you have to do is go to smile.amazon.com and then search for Theocast Inc. and choose us as the supporting donation. To learn more about this and other ways of supporting us, you can go to theocast.org slash give. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. Conversations about the Christian life from a Reformed perspective. Your hosts today are John Moffat, pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee, and myself, Jimmy Bueller, pastor of Christ Community Church here in Wilmer, Minnesota. Our other co-host, Justin Perdue, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina, is enjoying fun in the sun on vacation, and so he's unable to be with us today. But we wish him and his family well as they get some much-needed rest and recuperation. Hmm. So, John, since it's only you and I, we get to have a little bit more fun. You know, Justin is normally the one that keeps us mature. He does. Um, Yeah, so he's not here today. So let's just, we can let our hair down a little bit. But, uh, John, (laughs) tell me, give the people what they want. Uh, What is your pro? What is your con for the day? Yeah, well, before I do, I just want to say thank you. We... We have to take a break in the summers where our schedules are so weird. So we throw in some of our favorite old episodes, and you've all been so kind to let us do that. Thank you for the break. We're uh, actually going to be gathering in about 10 days or two weeks, I guess. Two to, weeks, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to be all in Tennessee, and we're recording a new session. Uh, we're going to keep that quiet, but it'll be fun. Stay yeah. tuned for that. A new education series. So my pro-con. All right, this one's uh, quite controversial. I am. I am con i do i am against chipotle i am whoa. not a fan of chipotle whoa i know whoa i know and i was reminded of it last night when i went to a new restaurant here in spring hill and it's just a copycat of chipotle and they 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 take my tortilla shell and they shove it full of the most inexpensive thing they can sell which is rice and beans it's like right 90 rice and beans and then totally. they put the like three slices of steak in there yeah and then they try and roll this thing and it just explodes all over the place i was like you Ew. don't put so much rice and beans in there it wouldn't happen but it's just it's not mexican food it's sure. not and sure. so i am i am anti chipotle and on top of that what restaurant has been in the news more than Chipotle for people getting food poisoning? Let's just be real oh, about it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're you're not lying. And okay, their now, salsa quick, quick. is is their salsa is a joke. It's like that's not salsa. That's like ground up tomatoes. That's disgusting. <laughs> quick question. Quick clar- <laughs> clarifying question. So are you are you anti or con like all Chipotle like restaurants? 
So we don't have we don't have Chipotle in our town, but we do have Qdoba. Yeah, I don't like Qdoba either. Okay. All right. I don't I like Qdoba more than I like Chipotle. Yeah, I would But agree. I don't like either. I don't I don't go to Chipotle. Like when someone's like, "Hey, do you want to go to Qdoba?" I was like, "No, not really. I I, I don't want to have a stomach ache later." Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It is now, a lot of food. Yes, it is. It's a lot of food and it it just annoys me that they just shove it packed full of sure. beans and rice and I was like, "I what? That's not what I yeah. bought." I am for though legitimate real carne asada tacos. And I mean it is seasoned right and the only yeah. thing on top of the taco is cilantro and uh, Onion. onions. Yeah. That's right. And lime. And lime. You need and, lime. Oh, you have, you have a lime you got to squirt on there. Yeah. So, you know, the, that local taco shop where they don't have anything in English and no one speaks English, that's what I'm going to support because they actually provide seasoned, flavored food and its majority of it is meat. And the yeah. prices are right. So right. that's just, yeah. you know, there's my pro-con yeah, for the day. I, I hear you. I mean, I, I don't mind. Chipotle. You have one of those Chipotle. locally in your in your town I ate there. With the like no, the burrito have, the size of your head? Oh yeah, yeah. We have like a good local taco shop. We have many good yeah. uh, local taco shops. Yeah, I remember when I remember one of your elders not only ate his burrito, but he also finished yours. So right. I couldn't do it. <laughs> so he's also what six ten. So there's he's a lot six, of six nine. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of body that needs calories there. That's but right. yeah, I, I I agree with you. Chipotle is is fine. It's okay. Uh, I do like Qdoba better, and the reason being that queso is not an added fee. Queso, right. just you can just get queso for free, and their queso is actually good. Yeah, their queso is good. I don't like yeah. I don't like Chipotle's queso, and Chipotle, yeah. I would say, is just the last time I was in one, it was so messy. Everything was a mess. Like the whole line was a mess. Mm-hmm. So I hear you. Anyways, not to I don't want to bet you know badmouth the workers at Chipotle. I love you. I'm thankful that you work there. I just don't prefer your food. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But we know that they uh, they faithfully serve in their in their vocations and callings. They do vocation. <laughs> there you go. There's your transition, <laughs> Jimmy. What are we talking about today? Yeah, so that's exactly what we're talking about today. Uh, something that actually our church has been doing is we've been walking through the Lord's Prayer and just looking at the different petitions that Christ has given us to ask of the Lord. And this past week in our church, we looked at give us this day our daily bread. Mm. And one of the things that I posed to our church is the question, have you ever stopped to consider how it is that God answers that petition, that God answers that request, give us this day our daily bread? Well, that opened up a whole conversation about the idea, the doctrine uh, of vocation and what it is that we do on our daily basis. Because here, here's the thing, when we, we consume Christian podcasts, we read books, we listen to sermons, we do all of these things that are quote-unquote spiritual, but the fact of the matter is this, that every single day, the majority of our time is spent doing very mundane, very everyday things. And what happens is we can have this dichotomy, which we will begin to deconstruct here in a moment, we can begin to have this dichotomy where this is when I do my spiritual thing, listening to Theocast on the way to work. And then when I get to work, this is when I do my everyday thing. Mm. And I, I fill out reports or I am a teacher or a doctor or whatever it is that you may do. And so what we want to talk about today is kind of the everydayness of the Christian life. 
specifically in regards to vocation and how we tend to under-spiritualize or over-spiritualize some of these things. So, John, why don't you help fill that out a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. This is, you know, I've worked, um, I've only been a pastor, a full-time pastor for the last, uh, I want to say 10, 12 years. Before that, I was bivocational. And well, right now, technically, I'm still bivocational. <laughs> Not a full, like, I don't know, my full salary doesn't come yet in. But I worked in the secular world for the majority of my life. I worked for Apple and had a career for Apple. And before that, I worked for Stanford Hospital. So the majority of my Christian life and my adult life was not as a full time pastor. And I can remember thinking, oh, I can't wait till all I do is Christian work. And I just, yeah, right. and all I do is, is read, you know, read scripture and study and shepherd and, and care for. And I had in my mind that that was the real, where the re- real work of the Christian life is done. Absolutely. And where God really uses people is in those who have the vocation of ministry. And Luther really came after this during the Protestant Reformation because there were people who thought, man, if I could just be a monk or if I could, you know, be a priest, then that's where God really comes in and uses and transforms the world and transforms uh, lives. And and he completely flipped it on its head and yeah. began to help people understand that God is not just using one vocation to accomplish his mission. And I would say, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Jamie, but I would say the majority of the world does have this sense of the pastors do the work of the ministry. Yeah. And everyone else is, it's just not necessary for the advancement of the kingdom. Those that's are, right. that's how we see it in those yeah. two, into those two lights. Yeah. I, I mean, so again, referencing what I said earlier, we, we often create this false dichotomy. And now that, that isn't to say that we don't believe that pastors and missionaries and those who are in full time, or we should say, you know, paid vocational ministry mm-hmm. are unimportant and that there's no distinction because certainly uh, the work that that you and I do as pastors, uh, that Justin does as a pastor, and the missionaries that we know, it's valid. It's important. It's very important. And not right. everyone is called to be a pastor. Uh, I, something I like to say is we we have given our lives to this work, right? We have given our lives to the studying of Scripture and the proclamation of the gospel to sinners. And so there is a uniqueness there. However, I think when we misunderstand the doctrine of vocation, what we begin to do is we almost take this this spiritual hierarchy sense where the work of the pastor the work of the pastor almost becomes almost like Roman Catholic where That's it's right. like we are the pope or we are the cardinals and everyone else is these mere underlings uh, <laughs> that they just they work to serve us in the church so to speak. That's because right. we, you know, we bring them the Bible each and every week. And so what we want to do, I think, is we want to encourage the everyday listener. Uh, perhaps you listening right now, you don't work in the ministry. You are an most accountant. Likely, most likely they don't. Yeah, most likely you're an accountant or you breed dogs or you are a farmer or whatever it is that it may be that you do. And so what we want to do is encourage you in your vocation uh, in terms of how you think of it and how you process it. And so, John, what would you say to the person? I'm going to throw this question out to you. Yeah. Uh, what would you say to the person, perhaps, as because I've had this conversation before, you're sitting in your pastoral counseling office and this person comes to you and they say, 
you know, Pastor John, I just, I just don't feel very spiritual in what I do every single day. How would you encourage that person? Yeah, and those are conversations I have had and will have. Uh, yes, it, it can seem like, you know, when I worked retail or I worked in a hospital, it just didn't seem like anything I was doing I was selling phones and selling computers. And I wasn't really impacting anybody's life. And, uh, you know, I was just advancing a technology company. Uh, so I, I understand those feelings. I, I can, and it, and it feels like day in and day out, I'm not impacting the world. I'm not doing anything for Christ. I didn't share the gospel that day. I didn't give money away that day. I didn't even make enough money to give money away. And the encouragement is, is that we, we, we have, we have created the system that what I do on Sunday matters for God. And what I do on Monday through Saturday doesn't. What I do on Sunday advances the kingdom and what I do on Monday doesn't. And we, we've created two worlds. We've created the spiritual world and the unspiritual world. Sure. Well, what, what, what we're doing when we do this is that we are disconnecting how, how God works in this economy, in the world. Uh, one of the, two, of the, two of the commands that we've been given, one is to love our neighbor, and the purpose of loving our neighbor, as Jesus said, is that so they, the world will know that I have come, that this, uh, this unrealistic affection that we can show is, is a form of demonstrating the gospel for people. Now, I don't think love is the gospel, so don't, don't hear me yep. say. Let the listener you know, understand. Right. But the second thing that Paul says is that whatever our hand finds to do, we do it for the glory of God because it's worthy of God's praise. But there's a part of vocation that we, we, don't, we don't see, and that is um, what God is accomplishing through our, this meaningless task in our mind, this meaningless task. We don't see what God's accomplishing. So the first thing I will tell you is that your neighbor to whom you are to love is your coworker, is your customer. And if you serve them well and you serve them right and you do right by them and you do it for God's praise and God's glory, then that is just as important and is advancing the kingdom as it is of the sermon that's being preached on Sunday. And I know that sounds like, wait, 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 there's no way me selling, me mowing a lawn, me changing a diaper is the same as the pastor preaching the gospel. Yeah. But it is. According to scripture, it actually is. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think this comes up more frequently than we like to think. Yeah. That often what you can hear from churches, what you can hear from the pulpit is this idea that, you know, the 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 workplace is your mission field. And and to some to some degree, great. I I mean, I I appreciate the sentiment. But here, herein lies the rub that your workplace cannot be your mission field if you are a bad employee. That's right. <laughs> I'm just going to say that flat out. Like if you cut corners or procrastinate or create crisis for people at work because you're too busy evangelizing at the water cooler, mm. I, I, don't, I just don't think that, that that works, homie. Like I don't think that that's how <laughs> God has designed it to be. That's right. Now, Again, I can I'm I'm being a little bit dramatic here, but you know, I so John, you're you're bivocational. I myself, I am bivocational. And every day, Monday through Friday, I am faced with 20 plus students for eight hours a day sitting in front of me, and they depend on me to deliver curriculum, and their parents depend on me. In fact, their parents 
pay a, a good amount of money for their their kids to sit in front of me and learn from me. Now, mm. what if every day I just said, look, I, I'm bivocational and you guys are here to learn, but I just, I really have to do some things. And so I'm just going to flip on a movie and you guys, will, you'll, you'll figure it out like that. I don't, I don't understand how that's either honoring to the Lord or honoring to the people that are sitting in front of me. No, right. rather I have to understand that. Yes, I have some unique challenges being bivocational, but I think part of me being quote unquote spiritual is coming to school, showing up on time, uh, being a respectable employee, honoring my authority that I work under, honoring the coworkers that I work alongside with, letting my yes be yes and my no be no, and teaching to the glory of God and the good of my students. That's right. Yeah, and, and the same could be for if you're a doctor. Now, especially if you're a doctor, we don't want you to cut corners. No. You know? Uh, sometimes I don't, like, if I'm dying, right, I, I want to know some treatments. That's right. You know, yes, please share the gospel with me, but also point me to some medications that I could use that could take away this pain. You know, so I, I, I want us to be so careful that we don't, we don't create this false dichotomy that even at work, we can come in and say, I'm going to do a really spiritual thing by talking to my coworker about my church service, which there's nothing wrong with that. But when you're doing it at the expense of actually doing your job, you're actually, I think, undermining what we're trying to talk about here, which is the doctrine of vocation. That right. when you go to work, do your job well. That's right. You know, do your job, like fill out those reports and fill right. them out correctly the first time, you know, right. rather than rather than creating crisis for everybody around you to pick up, so to That's speak. Right. right. And even, you know, some people think about choosing their careers and it's just, you know, when someone chooses to go into ministry, it seems like this is such a big deal. It's like, oh, I'm going to go into ministry. But choosing a career can sound less important and God's not really involved in it. And what Luther was arguing for is that, no, people can be called a cobbler. They can be called to shoe horses, uh, to to be a printer, to be a restaurant owner, a whole where God is calling them into that. Like this is this is their purpose. This is what they should be doing because this is how God's going to use them to advance His kingdom. the The advancement of the kingdom comes through Christians who obey God, who love God, who do it for His glory and love their neighbor, and that's how God uses uh, us to advance His kingdom. Which I know it sounds crazy. That we think, oh That's no, right. the advancement of the kingdom only happens when the gospel is being preached. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> but there's so I, many things that need to occur in order for that to take place. So, I mean, right. for for example, um, you know, obviously, John and I, we receive we receive some monetary funding from our churches mm -hmm. in order to to do the work of the ministry. Right. Now, what would happen if nobody in our church? faithfully went woke up each morning and and went to their jobs and and brought home finances and and they gave those to the church i mean it would be really difficult on us it would be really right. difficult on our families right? right and so it's like i i have very specific people in mind at our church that often they they struggle with what it is they they do is it is it important you know how does how does me you know raising this crop or how how does me you know, doing this job or selling this product, what does this have to do with, you know, the ever beautiful doctrine of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, on account of Christ alone? And I would say, well, actually, it has a lot to do. 
because right. your job enables you to meet people. It help it enables food to be grown. It enables products to be sold that help us all live our everyday lives. And so it it helps fund ministries. It helps fund people. It helps fund pastors and missionaries. And so again, I, I think often we can we can over spiritualize and almost under spiritualize at at the same time what it is that we do on an everyday basis. That's right. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, one of the things that we forget is that um, we don't live in the church building. This is you know the 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 worship of God. We've been we've been programmed to think that the worship of God only happens on Sunday morning at ten a.m. when the when the when the worship pastor, which is a weird title to me, worship yeah. pastor gets yeah. his, strums his first string. It's like yeah. now we're worshiping, and all uh, pastors are worship pastors. By the way, <laughs> exactly. Well, even the title, I'm just like, yeah. And the other one that's funny to me is executive pastor. I was like, nah, yeah, I don't know about that. That's a weird one. That's a weird one. Yeah. <laughs> to all the executive pastors who are listening, I'm not saying it's unbiblical. Yeah. It's just, it's just ah biblical. Yeah, do your um, job well. That's all we're exactly, saying. Exactly. <laughs> um, but worship happens when we are um, living in the reality of our justification. So when mm. we think about we have been set free from the bondage of sin, that God loves us as he loves his son, we are adopted, we have all the benefits of Christ, now we go and live. We live in light of that. We love, we eat, we drink, we sleep, we work, knowing that we are a part of God's great family and a part of God's great mission. And the way in which God is accomplishing this mission is how I love my kids. It's how I love my neighbors. It's how well I do my job because God is in me, transforming me, using me for the advancement of his kingdom. This is why I said this last night, our men's Bible study, can God just take home to heaven individuals whom he loves? Yep. Cause he has yeah, yeah. On, on a fiery chariot, boom, gone into heaven. Yeah. But God in his wisdom, has decided that he he's leaving his children here for the purpose of a mission, and that mission is to advance his kingdom, and the, that the the lost sheep of the world would be found. Well, guess what? If we're gonna have to be a part of that mission, we're gonna need jobs because we're gonna need to provide for our families. Right. And it's not like, well, I, I need to provide for my family, so I'm gonna go do that. No, I, even in accomplishing your job, if it's selling laundry detergent, if it's selling cars. You are a part of God's advancement of his kingdom and every person you come in contact with that for God's glory and for their benefit and for their love and demonstrating love, you do that job and you do it well and you do it out of love and concern. And if you're in a vocation where there's dishonesty happening, like you're lying or you're stealing, well, that's going to be a hard job to do for the glory of God. Leave yeah. that job. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that is not what God wants you to do. God does. I don't care how much money you're making. If you're lying to make money, yeah. And you know it's a lie? Well, then yeah. change jobs. I mean, that's yeah, pretty obvious. There. That's right. <laughs> We're excited to announce that we have a new free ebook available at our website called Faith Versus Faithfulness, a primer on rest. And we, the host, put this together to explain the difference between emphasizing one's faith in Christ versus emphasizing one's faithfulness to Christ, and how one leads to rest and how the other often to a lack of assurance. 
And you can get this at theocast.org slash primer. And if you've been encouraged by what you've been hearing at Theocast, we'd ask you to help partner with us. You can do that by joining our Total Access membership. That's our monthly membership that gives you access to all of our material that we've produced over the last four years, or simply by donating to our ministry. And you can do that by going to our website, theocast.org. We hope that you enjoy the rest of the conversation. Yeah, and so... I. I think particularly this is where I want to encourage young moms because I think right. if there's any demographic that perhaps is listening to us that probably struggle the most on a day-to-day basis, it's with just monotony and frustrations. It's it's young moms. You know, they have yeah. two, three, four-year-olds at home that it is a thankless job. They're waking up, they're changing diapers, they're they're giving meals that often get thrown on the floor or not are not thankfully received. So I just yeah, want to there's a lot you. of criticism and hardly any thinking. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's like young moms in pastoral ministry, right? Um, <laughs> so uh, that was just that was a joke. That was a joke. People, <laughs> calm down, calm down. So, I mean, just to encourage the young moms that when you discipline your child for the thousandth time, or when you make chicken nuggets or macaroni and cheese, or you try to give them healthy meals and it's not gratefully received, I think that you can take comfort and rest in the fact that you are doing that which God has given you to do. That's right. That a lot of times young moms, I I will hear young moms and, and they'll be frustrated because they have so little time to read their Bibles. They have so little time to spend extended, expended minutes and, and hours in prayer because they're just constantly being yelled at and pulled at and they're incessantly disciplining and and different things like that. And and I just want to say to them, like, hey, take good courage and faith and rest that the Lord Jesus Christ understands your situation. Hmm. He very much gets it. You know, I'll never forget uh, when we had our first child and man, your first kid, it just kind of rocks your world, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, it's just like, absolutely. you like we don't even remember. What did we do? What did we do <laughs> at night when we didn't have kids? I don't even know. My yeah, wife and I you, we joke about that all the time. Will Smith, he's he's funny. He's he was talking about like buying um I think it was like a microwave and he pulls out the manual and it's like the size of an encyclopedia on how to yeah. use this microwave. Yeah. And he goes, and then they send you home with a human being and they're like, Here you go. Yeah. No instructions included. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly man, your first kid, it it rocks you. And I, I just remember feeling so tired and, and quote unquote, spiritually lethargic. And I was talking to another pastor and he just put his hands on my shoulders. He says, Jimmy, you don't think that the Lord Jesus Christ understands that? Mm. Like, you don't think that he gets it? Like oftentimes we think, and I'm just, I'm talking to you young moms or young parents, that oftentimes we think that it's like God has given us this, he's graciously given us these children. And he's like, hey, I gave you a kid because I thought you could handle it. That's right. I gave you a kid because I thought you would just kind of step up your spiritual game. Hmm. Well, at the end of the day, I think God is far more merciful than that. That God is like, hey, I gave you a kid, and boy, do I know that it's tough. That's right. Like, it is hard. And that's why I made him cute, so you wouldn't kill him, right? You know? <laughs> um, so it's, it, it is so difficult. And so I just want to encourage the young moms that, you know, Luther, Luther once said that, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, that often the mom, the mom that is changing diapers— is is far more spiritual than the monk who is babbling psalms mm. for hours on end in in the monastery. That when 
when when you change diapers and you help your kids to be nourished and to be fed and to be disciplined like you're you're doing the lord's work in your home that's right <laughs> you're and and that's okay and take rest and comfort and and joy and peace and faith in that that this is what god has provided for you to do in this time of your life that's right and praise be to his name mm-hmm. well the pressure that most people feel it, con- it it has come from the revivalism the missions movement which the revivalist movement and the missions movement did produce some some good. I mean, yeah, there was, absolutely, there was some great definitely things. some good. Yep. But it also created some really bad um, influences on Christianity. And I would even say the the new radical movement, mm-hmm. where there are the lazy Christians who aren't taking their faith serious, and then there are the the Christians who are doing the radical opposite of the lazy Christians, and they are taking their faith serious. That's right. And they're selling their homes, and they're moving to Ecuador, and they're yeah, they are evangelizing, and they're living on nothing because it's more important for that the gospel be advanced and live on nothing than it is to change a diaper. You know, I've yeah. told this story before. I was uh, there was a couple in Haiti, and they had just read you know radical, and they they got rid of all their jobs and in six months they were living in Haiti and they had a little uh, nine-month-old who's starting to crawl and uh, she's always carrying them around and she she felt guilty she wanted to buy this $40 mat because in Haiti everything is just filthy and she wanted just so her kid could have somewhere to play on the ground and, and not get dirty you know and she felt guilty that she could use that $40 for something else which I immediately opened up my wallet and handed her a $50 bill and I said please go buy that and but there was this there was this pressure on her that she it was an uh, was an unspiritual thing to take care of her daughter and i mean come on let's be frank it wasn't like she was wanting to buy some gold you know toys for her kid to play with i mean it's not it's not unrealistic to take care of your kid in that way so that they're not filthy at the end of the day yeah and we moms feel this pressure that what they do doesn't matter uh, changing a poopy diaper, making mac and cheese doesn't do anything for the kingdom of God, where then you, they look at the person who's helping the homeless, who is, mm. has a blog and they're, they're, they're changing the world through their blog. They have a video, they have a YouTube channel or they've wrote, they've written these books. And I've had this conversation with my wife where there's this pressure to be not just a mom anymore. You need to be side hustling. You got to have your own business. You got to have your own Etsy page. And then that will be extra money that you can, you know, be the Proverbs 31 woman who's bringing in this extra, this extra cash and for, you know, to help the homeless or, Hey, if you're not an adopt, if you've got three kids and you're not adopting, you, all these all these kids who don't have parents, then you're not as you're not doing your part to it. And it's like, whoa, whoa, stop, just stop. That is nowhere in Scripture do you see yeah. the Apostle Paul calling the church to live that kind of life. He calls us to this ordinary. I love Michael Horton's book, Ordinary. Yeah, because how does God advance His kingdom? It's through ordinary people doing ordinary things for the glory of God, right. loving and caring for each other. Yeah, where. You are supporting, you are supporting those children. You are you are influencing them. You are yeah. you are forming and shaping them every single day, and that mundane job is absolutely important because it's what God has called you to. And you don't know what God's going to use that person for, but you do know that God is in charge, and this is where God has you. And you can take full comfort in knowing this is where God has me right now, and I'm going to do my job, and I'm going to love Him and love God. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and actually, I think in 
in a way, in kind of a twisted way, when we have this mindset that everybody must be out there on the street corner evangelizing, we actually undermine gospel ministry. I think we can undermine gospel ministry uh, because in a way, it's kind of like looking at the pastors and the pioneer ministries who, who, or pioneer missionaries who do give their lives to these things. And it's saying, well, you know, we can all do that. Um, and so we don't really need to pay you to do that because we can all just do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think in a twisted way, we can undermine, like we have, we have a guy in our church who is, he's, he's a pioneer missionary. He is doing some very difficult work. And sure. I want to be so careful uh, to, to just kind of say, well, we're all, we're all doing our thing and, and your thing isn't, isn't that important. And we're all, you know, we've all got our, our own important, our own important ministries. And, and to some degree that is true, but, but man, I, I want to look at him and just say, man, you're doing a very difficult, hard work and we love you and we support you. And we realize that God has uniquely gifted you to do this work. And so That's we right. as a church want to come around you and support you in that way. That's good. Now, uh, so I have a question for you, John. Yeah. Um, because I'm, we could be blowing up somebody's world right now. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, Setting them yeah, free. <laughs> that's right. And so I, I can hear the person kind of sitting across the table from us right now. And they're asking this question. Okay. What in the world then does it mean to be a mature Christian? Mm. Right? Yeah. Because here's the thing. We exist in our churches, right? We exist as churches. You know, I think, I think we, all three of us have very similar kind of sayings. You know, I think you, you say where everyone is in equal need of grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin says imperfect people, perfect savior. You know, we right. say um, ordinary people, extraordinary grace. Yep. You know, we have all these things and, and, and all these sayings. But at the end of the day, the mission of our church is very, 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 very simple, and that's to proclaim the gospel to sinners and help them mature and grow in their faith. Now, right. it's that middle word right there where I can hear somebody say, okay, well, then what does that mean? What does it look like for me to be a member of Grace Reformed Church or Christ Community Church or Covenant Baptist Church or insert your church name here and be a mature Christian? Because you guys are throwing out all these categories right now, and now I'm just confused. So. John, what does it look like? What does it look like to be a mature? What would you tell somebody at Grace Reformed Church? Hey, I want to be a mature Christian. How do I do that? Well, I'd say that's a great desire. You know, that's wonderful. Paul Paul rebukes some of the church for uh, being babies in the word, uh, milk of the word. And we often think maturity, I know where you're going with this. We often think maturity has to do with action. Yeah. Mature, mature Christians are the ones who are on the front line, who are the ones holding up the pickets and you know, they're evangelizing and they're running Bible studies. Um, I just don't see Paul describing maturity in that way. Sure. Uh, now, he does say that the mature women of the church should should mentor and love and care for the younger women. Same thing with the men um, in the faith, I think that is. Just because you have gray hair doesn't mean you're wise. I know a lot of people with gray hair, and I was like, man, you don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when right, it comes right. to the Bible, you just, you've been a Christian your whole life. You don't know anything. Paul's, Paul's the one rebuking you. Um, maturity, I think, has to do with the what he's going after is that the person who has been seasoned in their faith and where they are resting. I, I want to go to where Paul says uh, in in Second uh, Corinthians, where he says, "In my in my weakness," he's talking about the thorn in the flesh. 
And he says, when I'm going through suffering, persecution, he even says the word calamity, hmm. which the way I describe calamity is a, a deer jumps in front of my car and totals my car. Yeah. Not, not, not my, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't the deer's fault. No, it's just this uh, bad thing that happened. Right? Yeah, that's right. He says in all of these, what's being exposed is my weakness. And when I am weak, therefore I am strong. And what does he say? Jesus tells me that God's grace is sufficient to get me through. A mature person understands that they live in the grace of God and that they are very weak. And without the grace of God, they cannot accomplish anything at all. Mm. They can't accomplish being a parent. They can't accomplish being an, an employee. They can't accomplish being a citizen of their country. That without the grace of God. And so they, I think mature Christians live every single day in the weakness of their flesh, in the weakness of their spirituality, trusting in Christ. And where we mature is, is a greater and greater and greater trust in the mercy of God to get us through our everyday lives. Yeah. Uh, I, immaturity, when I see is people who equate their spirituality and their maturity on their personal actions. So if I'm doing this, I'm a good person. If I'm reading, if I'm evangelizing, if I'm giving, um, if I'm praying, all of these actions equate maturity. Well, Paul talks about the attitude of the mature. The attitude of the mature are patient, kind, merciful, long-suffering, giving. That's how he describes a mature Christian. Yeah. We describe mature Christians as the ones who are on the front line radically doing something. That's right. And I just don't see that. That's right. Yeah. I, I, again, I think we, we, we create a, a category that doesn't exist when we say a, a true mature Christian is the one who voraciously works through their Bible reading plan and systematically has a, a guided prayer life, which hear us when we say, I know we, I know we go at this all the time and it makes people so uncomfortable. I still see it. I still see it on Twitter, like people be hating, but that's fine. Keep hating. Haters going to hate. It's blocking out the haters. But yeah. um, hear us when we say that reading the Bible is is a good thing, and certainly prayer is a great and wonderful thing. Um, but when somebody comes to Christ Community Church and they say, hey, we want to be a member, what does it look like to be a mature member at, at this church? I think, man, what I would, what I would tell them is just, hey, we would love for you to trust Christ, to walk in repentance over your sin, right. uh, to, to faithfully love and serve this body, and to live out your everyday life and your vocation and responsibilities for the glory of God and the good of your neighbor. Like mm-hmm. just really simple things, you yeah. know? Like we don't, I'm not going to hand you a Bible reading plan and a prayer list because I don't want to add things to you. What What I want you to see is, Hey, it's our job as a church to point you to Christ and to 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 confront you in your sin and to help you to walk in repentance and to come around you as a body and it's your responsibility as a as a member of this church to live out your everyday responsibilities and you and yeah. and do your job and, and and be faithful in those things. And so, I think often maturity we're going to use this word again and again. I think often maturity in the Christian life looks so ordinary. That's right. It looks so ordinary. Yeah. That I think as as you said, I mean you you love those around you. Um, you take care of your family, <laughs> you you serve the the body, uh, that that you you participate in the life of the church through word and sacrament, if you will, and you go to work and That's you right. don't cut corners and you honor your boss and you you exist, quote unquote, for the good of your company. 
that that it's okay to be very, very normal and average and ordinary because yeah. that's maturity. Well, this just goes back to Ephesians chapter four. And he says, when the body functions properly, it builds itself yeah. up in love. And when, you know what's interesting in that context? He says there are there are there's all these body members, and then there are gifts for the church. These are the teachers, preachers, evangelists. And he says God uses these to instruct, build up the church. So you have people who have been gifted in the word. They come in and they administer grace to these people. And then those who are part of the body, they then use their gifts. And we've been all gifted with grace and mercy and kindness mm-hmm. and, and benevolence. And there's those who are, I mean, there are people who are in our church who are gifted with evangelism, but when we're yeah. all using it, the mature Christian understands my role is to love and care for my congregation. And when I play my role as the hand, the foot, the eye, the mouth, the ear, whatever it is God has me doing, I am advancing his kingdom. Yeah, And unfortunately, we have just created this world, it's individualized, where we individualize our role as a Christian, that mature Christians are these radical Christians who have this self-motivation, and we are, you know, uh, (laughs) there's all kinds of things that are going on there. And I look at Paul in the New Testament, and it seems like he just flattens everything out. And he says, listen, when the body functions, not the pastor, not the radical missionary, he says, when the body functions mm-hmm. properly, that's when the work of God is accomplished. It's, inc- it's incredible. Yeah. It's, not the, it's not on the weight of, you know, J- Jimmy and I don't feel the pressure that our churches will succeed if we succeed. Right. We understand our church will succeed as Christ comes in and he empowers every single body member to do their part. Then our yeah. church will succeed. Yeah. I couldn't live with that pressure. It's yeah. too much. Yeah. Well, and certainly I see a distinction in roles. Like yeah. allow John and I and our elders to come to you week in and week out at, on the Lord's day and point you to the fact that you are a great sinner, but you have a great savior. That's right. Now go live in light of that reality as you parent and as you work and as you drive and as you provide. Go live in light. Of, like it is our job as pastors and elders of Christ Church to point you to the truth of the gospel, to right. remind you of God's law and his perfection that you are you are indeed a great sinner and there is nothing that you could absolutely do to merit his love or his favor. And yet this is why Christ has come, that Christ has lived, Christ has died, and Christ will, will come again. And he has right. done so on your behalf. It is our job to point you to that reality. And it is your responsibility, quote unquote, and I'm using that term very, very loosely, it is your responsibility to trust that and live right. in light of that, right? right? To live status forward that, man, on, on a weekly basis, God is so good and so gracious and kind, and I get a weekly reminder of that reality. Yeah. And so we are- Well, I, hey, it's, it's my turn to throw something at you, and we'll use okay, it in the fine, members. Okay, fine, We'll use it in the members podcast. All right, all right. Uh, one of the things that's coming up, oh man, this might get me in trouble, but I'm gonna do it anyways. One of the things that's coming up right now is the Christian's involvement in government. Mm. and and the transformation of government and changing government and and we we have this unfortunately in, in America and I know we have worldwide listeners so some some people who listen to other countries may may not understand what I'm about to say maybe they will but we we have st- set it up to where a good american is a good christian and a good oh, christian yeah. is a good american and uh, we we have mixed those two and and now the church is in a weird spot because we're mixing 
those two. Yeah. And we have churches who are underneath. A, there's a lot of bickering, a lot of fighting that's going oh, yeah. on. Yeah. And and it's almost as if it's the responsibility of the Christian to to save, in, in our context, to save America, right? right? God's not blessing America because the church isn't doing its its job. That's and right. so now the ship, now the radical good Christian are the ones who are moving in this direction. And so I, I think in the members podcast, it'd be good for us to talk about the involvement of government and vocation. And yep. can can Christians, should Christians be involved in politics? What does that look like yeah. as it relates to our vocation? And, uh, you know, you know, something like Wilbur, you know, William Wilberforce, who who was involved in those things and was a Christian. So yeah. we'll save yeah. we'll save that for the members. Podcast. Yeah, I like it. I like where we're going. Well, yeah. Thank you for listening. Uh, we we certainly hope that this this podcast has has brought you rest and pointed you to the fact that uh, Christ is sufficient even in your day to day everyday vocational right. life. So what speak. you do matters. Yeah, it, it does. really it, does. It, it, it very it very much matters. And I I want to leave you with just kind of this this small little illustration, and maybe we can link the video. So uh, we have an Ask Theocast video. It's either coming out or will be out by the time this podcast is edited and re- released, where I kind of answer this question in a five-minute video of what does it look like to be a faithful and mature Christian. And in there, I share an illustration. You know, Every day when our family sits down for a meal, our son, our middle son, Owen, who loves farming, he will remind us as we eat meat or we eat vegetables or we eat bread that, that these things were grown and raised by farmers. He just loves farms and farming. Mm. And... And I will say, that's absolutely right, buddy. These things were grown by farmers. And, and in that moment, my five-year-old understands the doctrine of vocation that's because right. he understands that, you know, we have a farmer in our church and our farmer, he goes to work every day and he raises crops and he raises pigs. And his job is so important. Why? Because he feeds people, <laughs> you know, and he creates and he helps create a whole industry because he's got to sell those hogs and he has to sell those crops and people have to transport it and it has to go to the store and those people need to sell it. And then I have to go to the store and buy it. And so it ends up on our table. And so when we pray, and I'm going back to the beginning of this podcast, hmm. how does God answer the prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. Well, he answers it through you. He That's answers right. it through fellow sinners who do their jobs and their vocations to the glory of God and the good of their neighbor. Right. And so when you go to work tomorrow or when you go to work today, not sure when you're going to be listening, just remember that. Keep that in mind that when you fill out that report or when you discipline your kid, God is using that, as John said, for the advancement of the gospel and the good of those around you. And so we hope that this podcast was helpful for you. We'd ask that you would go and leave us a good review, please, Mm -hmm. on uh, your wherever it is that you get your podcast. That certainly helps us a lot. And also, we read them too. Yeah, we, we do. We read them. And it, it's so encouraging for us to read how God is using this ministry and our vocations in this ministry to help people to find rest in Christ. We're going to head over into our members podcast right now. And if you want more information about what that is, you can log on to theocast.org and look at our Total Access membership where you can come into a little bit more resources and kind of some fun things that we have just for for members only. So thank you for listening. Uh, We certainly hope that it helps you find rest in Christ. And we look forward to bringing you more podcasts and resources like this in the future. 